0: Hello. So it's been over 100 days since Israel's onslaught against Gaza, which has slaughtered over 30,000 uh, Palestinians to direct violent deaths. Uh, that's according to the independent Euromed Human Rights Monitor, but also mass devastation, huge numbers who are projected to die uh, from everything, from a collapse of the medical system, famine, uh, thirst, we could go on, it is a terrible crime. Now we know, I'm sure many of you, we've covered this at length, South Africa's Case alleging genocide against Israel, which is being, of course, heard at the International Court of Justice, and we're, we're waiting to hear if there'll be any provisional measures mm. issued. But in the meantime, there is a very interesting case being brought by Tayeb Ali, who I have here, who is um, partner at Feynman's, um LLP. Many of you will know that legal firm, head of international law there. But separately, is doing a case on war crimes. Uh, from the International Center of Justice for Palestinians, which is uh, seeking to prosecute government ministers and UK citizens who are in the Israeli army. Hello, Type. How you doing?
1: Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Um, can you just firstly explain what's the case?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, What we've done really at the International Center of Justice for Palestinians, we call it the ICJP, is we've launched something called the Justice for Gaza campaign. And it was a really important process of collecting evidence on a forensic level to a British criminal legal standard. And so what that means is we collect all the um, open source material, the stuff on TikTok, Instagram, on the Internet, but also we've been interviewing um, and taking witness statements from people that have returned from Gaza, who are present in the United Kingdom, so these are both witnesses and victims of war crimes, and and using that evidence, we've been able to piece together a, a criminal complaint for um, Scotland Yard's war crimes team, and and when, that that case has a particular intention and the intention of that case is to demonstrate that the British police now have in their possession with citizens from with witness evidence from citizens in the UK to formulate enough evidence to make reasonable grounds to formulate uh, an arrest that means that they have sufficient evidence to start an investigation into war crimes And, and that war crimes investigation is and um, also uh, includes details of who we say are suspects in in respect to those war crimes and there's three categories of those the first category are israeli politicians political leaders and and military personnel from israel so um the war cabinet for example senior generals in the in the idf uh, the second category are british citizens who have traveled out to um, israel to participate in um, activities where well, military activities there and, and the third category are four government ministers and officials um, who we say are complicit in war crimes allegedly complicit in war crimes can you
0: explain the kind of legal basis for it because some people go hold on this is also a foreign country that's why we have got the international court of justice for example or the international criminal court separately and um, they deal with this um, how would it be covered under uh, british law and whatever were signatory to?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really important question and, and it's, a, it's a really important thing to understand. Um, the first thing I'll say about that is that people in other countries really do understand this. So South Africa is a good example. They understand at this time their international obligations to this um, set of rules. And so what happened after World War Two? And, and it's really important to go all the way back to World War Two, is that we saw as a, a group of nations um, that the atrocities that happened in World War Two shouldn't be allowed to ever happen again. And so you've heard politicians talking about Dresden, British forces killing 23,000 people there to defeat the Nazis. And, and it's exactly that. And they, they kind of use that as a justification for what the Israelis are doing in Palestine. And it's a really important analogy, actually, because it's exactly that that we're trying to prevent from happening again, the need for the good to kill the bad or the bad to kill the good. And and what we did to prevent that from happening is we created a set of rules, international humanitarian law. We created the International Court of Justice that you mentioned in your opening. But we also more recently created the International Criminal Court. And the International Criminal Court was a, a collection of states, the United Kingdom included in that, um, uh, the Occupied Palestinian Territories, the Palestinian Authority also included in that, uh, and a number of other states. And what they decided was that they needed to create a framework for accountability for when people breached international humanitarian law. And, and, and this was for the most serious crimes. And so those crimes were genocide, crimes against humanity, and war crimes, breaches of the inter- international humanitarian law. And so what they did is two things, it's really important. First of all, they created an institution, the ICC, where people could be prosecuted for those crimes, and and the ICC itself has the power to investigate. But it also created obligations for state parties to the International Criminal Court. And those obligations are are, are what we're working, that's the framework we're working in here. So what the International Criminal Court, the, the statute expects state parties to do is to develop that framework that it has as an international level at a domestic level and so the state parties came together and said yeah okay we, we agree these three things genocide war crimes crimes against humanity it's absolutely atrocious it shouldn't be allowed anywhere so we're going to help to investigate <clears throat> we're going to help to prosecute and we're going to help to convict people that perpetrate in that so where you have people in the united kingdom hiding or, or available it's an, it creates an obligation on the british authorities to investigate arrest and prosecute those individuals and and that's domestic british law So part of our treaty obligation as part of the international treaty was to create domestic law and we created that law. It's called the International Criminal Court Act 2001. And not only does it facilitate passing of evidence from the United Kingdom to the ICC for their investigation, but it also creates an obligation on the United Kingdom to investigate. And that's what we fed into. And so what we've told Scotland Yard in our complaint is that here is the evidence that you need, interestingly, not from Palestinians in Gaza, but from um, Palestinians that have travelled back to the United Kingdom now present in the United Kingdom, and this a, a significant proportion of the evidence relates to potentially British citizens that may have committed crimes in that region. And now it's incumbent on you that you have that evidence to start and initiate an investigation um, and potentially a prosecution with regards to those uh, allegations. So, I mean, for example, you
0: know, as things stand, people are well, well aware that if a British citizen went to fight for Hamas. They'd be committing a very serious criminal offence, which they would liable be prosecuted for. I mean, it would. I mean, they'd be in a in a world of trouble. I would imagine. What? Um, how? In terms of the IDF, because I mean, I guess the response <laughs> there would be whatever you think about the IDF. It's technically seen as a legitimate army of a state. And um, so, what's the law there? What's the kind of comparison between what I just said and the IDF? For example?
1: yeah so the the difference between, for example, a prescribed organization like Hamas and the IDF is that the IDF is not a prescribed organization. So when you prescribe an organization uh, like Hamas, what, you're, what the government is saying is that it is inherently involved in criminal activity, so almost anything that it does so you, um, is, is criminal. so you can't be a member of it, okay so it becomes really it's like a, a short circuit of the rules. You don't need the evidence to prove that what they're doing is bad just being a part of it is bad and therefore can be prosecuted. The war crimes complaint is slightly different, but it's important. It's an important difference. In this situation, what the British government is saying is what the IDF inherently do is not necessarily bad, but what we're saying is we've brought evidence to you to show you that these individuals, the, the, the nine British citizens and the four um, government ministers, are involved in something which is inherently bad, which is a war crime. And so we're showing evidence that we're in these specific cases, in this specific instance in attacking um, Gaza, that there is significant evidence that they may have perpetrated war crimes and that should be investigated. And so that brings a second part to this as well, because if I can just add this in, if you, if you one of the, the, the criminal acts that be, is being investigated by Scotland Yard and Metropolitan Police or the police agencies of the United Kingdom at the moment is supporting a terrorist organization when people say things in support of Hamas, well, it's, it's, that's, that's a secondary accessory liability crime. And what I mean by that is you're not actually yourself the terrorist doing the terrorist act. You're just supporting it. And, and, and that brings me neatly into the situation for the government ministers. And so the allegation with regards to government ministers is not that they went to um, Israel and joined the IDF and did something. But what they are doing is they, they have secondary liability under their own statutes, Article 25 of their own statute, aiding and abetting or in any other way. Um, or otherwise supporting war crimes, and so what the allegation within our document is is that these individuals are responsible for providing is, uh, the IDF weapons, weapons that are potentially used in war crimes. And um, but more than that, and it's really important to understand this: not only physically providing weapons, but potentially fi- fi- providing encouragement by giving political and um, ethical cover. For those war crimes, so you've heard politicians in the United Kingdom com- say that they stand completely with the IDF, completely with the actions they're taking, justify, for example, blockades and that type of activity. There is an argument to say that that in itself is encouraging a war crime, and the analogy would be, and the analogy would be, in, in as you as you brought up with Hamas, if you were to in any way justify actions of Hamas, then you would be supporting and encouraging them. So if you were to say, for example, and even to the degree that you would say. To Hamas for example which would be completely unlawful I'm giving it to you as an example Hamas is allowed to act in Israel in the way that it does as long as it complies with international law, right? That would be a criminal offence because you're encouraging and supporting Hamas and you can't encourage and, and support a inherent Terrorist organization, as long as they comply with international law, in the same way as you can't inherently support a war crime, as long as that war crime is done in accordance with international law, it's a it, it's a paradoxical situation. You can't do that, and so that brings us into the situation where um, politicians around the globe have to be very careful about what they're saying and doing in support of war crimes, because effectively, under the Rome Statute, they could be seen as encouraging.
0: people could just point it, Gaza being laid to waste. But what's so striking about this case is, I suppose, the intent being so loudly communicated by those at the top of Israeli society, Israeli politicians, ministers, um, army leaders, media outlets, uh, which is also relevant because the Genocide Convention in 1948 prohibits the incitement of genocide. but I mean, I, I asked this, I said on Patreon that I was talking to you, and Anjali asked if, if the role of social media in providing evidence is key uh, in terms of from the victims of war crimes, the IDF soldiers themselves, official Israeli accounts, is that the majority of the evidence? I mean, just, just I'm just wondering about that, because I suppose the, the, what's so striking about this is often you have to establish intent, don't you in case of genocide, uh, and this is quite striking because they're screaming intent, but also IDF soldiers keep posting war crimes on TikTok. They're serving up war crimes as comic fodder for public amusement which is quite quite a new thing is that kind of partly what is this part of the case basically
1: yeah so so as an investigator in the situation you have to piece together these little bits and put them together to form a picture and so um what's really interesting about the situation in gaza and, and and the idf and the idf's action is that because the idf has been so used to this exceptionalism in that <clears throat> almost anything that it does it's not held to account for yeah. it's become very bold so the the actors within the israeli government the actors within the idf have been very clear in just saying what they want to say doing what they want to do taking videos of it and posting it out for everybody to see and 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 and, and, and I, I just want to add this that 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 if you're in social if you're in the soft of social media world you can see that but you can't see it on bbc or you can't see it on the itv you can't see it on channel 4 you just can't see it on our if you like mainstream media channels and and that's a bit worrying because it seems to be being suppressed from there but but people that go on twitter and people that go on social media see it, it with the and tick tock they see it and we have collected that evidence and that evidence is really telling it gives in terms of what you're talking about which is a part of our continuing investigation it does give intent to, um, for example, the, the allegation of genocide, because you have um, Benjamin Netanyahu talking about Amalek on one side and um, saying that, you know, that's, that's, remember what we did to Amalek, which is to kill man, woman, child, infant, oxen, calf, uh, that's what he said. And then you see soldiers on the ground um, have taking videos of them dancing and, sh- and, and, and repeating those words, and you, you, you can see the intent from the very top right down to the very bottom, So that's part of that's part of it. But the other part of it is we actually have firsthand witness testimony from individuals that saw, for example, a 91 year old lady shot by uh, allegedly by an IDF soldier. We have um, photographs and uh, videos of civilian buildings in the southern part of Gaza, whilst it was a safe zone being um, bombed where 20, 30 people were killed and and there was no issue about whether there was a a military target or not because at that time Israel was saying that it was a safe zone. We have just recently, I mean um, yesterday, the day before yesterday, I was interviewing a doctor that had returned from Gaza and and he was telling me about the operations that he was doing, the the medical operations that he was doing inside um, the hospital. And it sounded quite like, you know he was able to function and then he had to leave because on the last day of him being there, the Israelis fired a tank shot into the ICU unit of the hospital. And so you, you have this first-hand evidence with photographs and with videos often, um, which then formulate which add to the picture that's available on social media. And so I, I just want to give you one last example to do with white phosphorus because it's a really important aspect of our investigation. The um, IDF originally claimed that they weren't using white phosphorus. And we had a doctor from Gaza who gave us, and Scotland Yard for that matter, and evidence about um, a child that he had treated with white phosphorus wounds on them. And not only did he have that evidence and in terms of white phosphorus wounds on them, he had a video and photograph of the child. So he could show it. So you can now give that to a forensic examiner. And they can say, yes, that that's consistent with X, Y, and Z type of munition. And then subsequently, other pieces of our jigsaw, we later on, Came in possession um, of um, shells on the border of Gaza and Israel, which were verified by Amnesty International as being white phosphorus shells, which Israel originally claimed they didn't have, but they do have. And then we also now have photographs from journalists inside Gaza that show where the munitions were deployed. And you can see them being deployed over urban areas. Now, you put those pieces of jigsaw together and you put a timeline together, you start to build a picture of how Israel was potentially or allegedly using white phosphorus shells on the urban area and injuring children. And that in itself, if you use white phosphorus in that format, in an urban area where you can't safeguard civilians, that's a war crime. Just finally,
0: a lot of people listen to this and think extremely compelling, clearly. I think a lot of people obviously more than persuaded of the horrific war crimes being perpetrated by the Israeli state against innocent civilians on a mass scale. But they might just think this is just too good to be true. The British states, and well, the, the, sorry, the, the Metropolitan Police might have a war crimes tribunal as uh, a unit, but they, they ain't going to touch this. They're not going to start arresting government ministers or British citizens even who fight in the IDF. They know it'd be the mother of all who has if they even tried British soldiers. So is this just kind of performative
1: or actually is this actually quite significant in some ways? Well, I mean, it, it is significant. And, and I just want to say that, you know, the whole structure of international humanitarian law and the international criminal court was designed for exactly this purpose it was designed to hold leaders of states their soldiers and the political class to account Mm -hmm. so so first of all we will you know as 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 um, citizens of the United Kingdom, if you like, as a patriotic act to the United Kingdom. We want to make sure that we hold our leaders to account to the rule of law and to the principles of justice. So the first step we do is we say to our independent police force, look, some of our leaders at the helm have, 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 have been misdirected they've for whatever reason either knowingly or unknowingly they've got they've aired and can you deal with that so can you create an investigation and don't forget before we started this investigation we wrote to politicians and warned them about this so they've been on notice for a few months now right so let's say for example as people worry that the united kingdom police um investigation may be interfered with or when they need permission from the Attorney General to actually prosecute. The Attorney General says, we're not going to give you that permission, or they decide it's not in the public interest to prosecute. Well, then what does that mean? That doesn't protect the United Kingdom, and it doesn't protect the officials, and it doesn't protect the ministers. What that means is that the United Kingdom has failed in its duty under the Rome Statute, and then it moves to the International Criminal Court to investigate the United Kingdom for failing in that. And we had this situation arise in the Iraq War. During the Iraq war, people were making complaints about British soldiers, um, uh, allegedly involved in war crimes. The United Kingdom failed to investigate them. That was referred to the ICC, and the ICC actually opened an investigation right. into the United Kingdom failure. And so th- politicians in the UK run this risk. And, and to be honest with you, you know, when you're in the United Kingdom and you're in Europe, you kind of have a, a, a funny worldview. You think everybody thinks in the same way as, as we do, right? But you just have to look at South Africa, you just have to look at Turkey, you just have to look at the countries of the OIC, the countries that have supported the International Court of Justice process, um, which South Africa have initiated. It really isn't like that anymore. What we're finding is that the global south is starting to hold um, Israel to account. Is wanting to hold Israel to account is not accepting the rules based order, but is now actually saying, "Well, we 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 actually like the international law based order, and we like these international institutions that have been built that the that that the West or the global North has kind of dominated for a long time, and 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 there's a real risk if we don't act properly and by the law that really we will lose that moral high ground to other countries and it'll be their emergence. And I think it's really important as British citizens that we protect these institutions that we were instrumental in creating. And so, you know, to be honest with you, we have to make this succeed.
0: So just finally, a pivot, maybe even two or three sentences. Could we see, do you think, in time, British citizens, including people at the very top, potentially one day facing prosecution, for their role, their direct complicity involvement in war crimes against the Palestinian people.
1: If, if there are British citizens involved in war crimes and we have evidence to prosecute them, I think we'll see them being prosecuted. Blimey. Very exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. Finally, can people support this as well? Sure. I mean, ICJP, please visit our website. It's Um We're um, um, we we we're a grassroots funded organization. We only operate when people fund us. There's a way to donate on that.
0: We'll include the link in all the video descriptions and online so people can donate and support everything you do. Very exciting and crucial in terms of justice and the struggle for justice and against This great crime of our age. Uh, So please do share this video, press like and subscribe, get the message out. But a massive thanks to Tybe and everything crossed. Cheers. Thanks, Owen. Thanks very much.